Oh, I'm watching four unhappy Canadian boys uh, play games of Magic the Gathering. Uh, they're playing Commander with decks that they've never seen before. Uh, Alright, <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, blind, blind Commander. So they didn't even... All they had was a name of a deck and the converted mana cost of the Commander. Other than that, they didn't know what other cards were in the deck. Sounds so, like a very uh, interesting way of uh, playing Magic. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, they had a they had a they had a dude come in and uh with a with an Atashi case and just like right here's your deck and here's your deck, and uh, they looked confused so it was fun. Yeah, I I event uh, I was just gonna say this is like I I know how to play Magic I've just I've never been able to get into it mostly because uh, I have a problem with collectible card games. Mm. That's uh, I just uh, I I have I have. Whenever I start opening packs for for a card game, I'm just like I have to keep opening them, you know. Oh, it's a very I know. it's a very addictive sensation. Oh, I know where you're coming from. Money yeah. happens. Money just disappears into uh, trading cards. Yeah, the the physical loot box, if you will. Yeah, you might yeah. say it's what uh, kind of inspired the loot box sensation. Yeah, except. Digital things with no value, you know. Except, except you know, I don't actually buy loot boxes because I recognize that they're just a, a less tangible and therefore a less valuable version of them. Something I already don't do in real life, and that I have mm. a problem with in real life. So I don't buy loot boxes, but uh, I can and used to buy trading cards, uh, and it was detrimental to my income. Mm. Uh, less than a year after I stopped playing uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Which was my previous card game craze. I got to fly to another country and go on vacation for the first time in my life. So, I think there's a direct correlation there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you know. So there we go. That's our, you know, I'd say that's our uh, PSA for this. Uh, that's a uh, B B loot box aware. Uh, when the draft stops, stop. So um, yeah, with with that PSA out there, we will move on. This is the Immaterial Gamers Podcast. Episode number thirty-three. Um, I don't want to, you know, don't go anywhere. But this is being recorded on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, so, sure, techni- sure. so technically, this is episode. Uh, this is episode thirty-three. No, I feel like I should have uh, alcohol, but I don't really feel like it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've got the vodka here, but you know, it's not. You know, it's not viable to. Well, I mean, it's viable to podcast drunk, but. Why? Why would we? It's it's the middle of the afternoon or early afternoon, depending on our location. The uh, the uh, I'm Ryan, and the voice you can hear there is Duncan. That's me. Uh, you know that's you know that song. That's like uh, what about everything bad about gingers or whatever. It's like who should oh, yeah. I ever Ginger. You know that there's a part of that song where it was like it calls us leprechauns and evil Irish drunks. Uh, I just want to point out I am Scottish. I am not Irish. Yep, that is actually the same. I also have uh, partial Scottish blood in me and part Yorkshire blood. So that's I consider... uh, a region. That is a location yeah. somewhere in uh, the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, what that decides is that I can be doubly angry. I could be the I could be the, the rowdy the rowdy angry of of someone from Glasgow, but then I can also be the the picky cynical angry that says that I want white brick. Instead of you know the red brick that you get everywhere else in the world, so it you know it it works out. If I if I want to be angry, 
I can just go to town. But uh, I just want to be a bit more normal. I don't want to be angry until we get to to the news bit later on. So we will look at a more enjoyable section of our of our recording times, and uh, we will go to what's been played. What's been played? Now, this is going to be an interesting one, because I don't think I've actually played anything new this week. And, Duncan, have you played anything interesting this week? Ah, uh, that is a great question. Man, you would have thought that maybe I would have thought about this uh, more than not at all. Uh, uh, well, we were playing um, we were playing some uh, Worms Revolution. Uh, oh, yeah. I, know, I know that wasn't a week ago, but I mean, no, that's since the last time I've been on, so we've, yeah, we've been playing that. Yeah, that's still fine. Uh, yeah, I haven't played a Worms game in a long time. It was a lot of, a lot of fun recording the, that little uh, trilogy. Yeah, it's a, some good things. Um, as as this podcast will come out, we all have had the second episode of the Worms trilogy out. That uh, we've uh, well, I've lovingly titled the Bu- uh, the Buffalo of Bananas. Yeah, I've, uh, uh, I've watched the first episode, and I'll pro- I'll probably get around to the uh, the second one at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun to watch. I mean, it's just great how sort of it's weird how ageless the Worms games are. Yeah, it's like they they make new ones and they, you know they have little updates and whatever. But you know they they're all you know they're all fun. They're all great games. Mm. But it I, it's, it really takes me back. Uh, one of the earliest one of the earliest multiplayer games I played online was. Uh, was it was a worms game it was like i can't remember the title of it it was uh somewhere in my library but it was uh it was it wasn't world it wasn't world party by any chance was it worms world party that's the one yeah yeah um i think i mentioned this last week when i was talking about worms wmds it was worms world party or worms ninja rope race as it sort of ended up in its twilight years <laughs> yeah the ninja rope was really interesting in that game uh, but yeah, I played that all the time with my uh, my cousin Terry. I was uh, mm. we played endless hours in in Worms. We would make custom maps. We would play around with different game types where you know you'd modify. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes you'd have bullets leave giant holes. Sometimes you'd have explosions are twice as effective on the land. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes you'd have you know, like instant Armageddon. You know, where like you have. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, inst- like, like, instant sudden death kind of thing, where like the water is rising from the very beginning, things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. And we were just, oh god, so much fun playing that game. My cousin got really good with the rope in that game. Like, he did not need any other travel, you know, tools or anything like that. He he just ninja roped everywhere he went. He figured out how to like basically, like, almost like a use it as like a kite almost. Like mm. he just. You know, he could point the rope at the ground and just go straight up and then, like, just fall down to wherever he was trying to go. Almost like a great big axe. See, I'm I'm envious of those who can use the ninja rope properly, and it's just like, I'm not one of them people. I can, you know, do a simple get up and, and land, but to do, like, the weird acrobatics that pro ninja ropers can do. Yeah, very, very envious. Yeah, no, it was he was he was good. I was never as good as him. I I never even tried to be as good as him. I I did not understand how the rope works. I still don't. I understand it even less now because I think they've changed it a little bit. Mm. 
just doesn't quite feel the same as it used to. No, it's, uh, it's, it has changed a little bit over the iterations. But, uh, you know, you're saying you're playing Revolution. Yeah, we were playing Revolutions together. We recorded uh, three games. I was in two of them. Yep. Uh, we were kind of planning, I think, on four, but things just didn't quite line up. I, I had things to do that evening, so I wasn't yeah. able, I wasn't available for a fourth game. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine, because I think it's probably safe to say that Worms will end up back on the PlayStation rotation at some point. Yeah, for sure. It, it was it was hilarious. You know, we were all getting to grips with a game that we, you know, ageless as Worms is, it's one of those that you have to pick up and sort of get to grips to again. It's uh, the game every is now and again. The most fun way to play that game is to not have any idea to how to play it and just Uh-oh. bumble your bumble your way through and watch other people bumble their way through. Yeah. It's just it's just great. Just try and learn how to do crafting on the fly in the in the new ones, or trying to walk and grab something, and you know not realizing that mines that are always in the games. Confusing the shoot button and the jump button. Yeah, that's always a good good time. Which is the worst fucking thing, by the way, because me, Matt, and Dee, not long after we did the revolution recording, we all realized that we had. We did actually have Worms WMD in our infantry. And they've changed the. the, uh, Team 17 changed the control scheme. The jump and shoot were then mixed up. Oh, they swapped so, them around. They circumposed yeah. the. Oh, yeah, God. so 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 where it was A to jump in Revolution and X to fire. It was the other way around, and it was it's just like, great. It's like I kind of get it. Like intuitively, from thirty years of gaming history, A button is usually the jump button. Yeah, and people recognize that universally. So to have it the other way around is a little bit weird. So I understand the change, but people who are used to the worm scheme. Especially people who've just played a different Worms game would be really thrown off by that. Yeah. And and I was, definitely. Uh, Matt and D had the keyboard, so they were kind of knew what they would... Well, you kind of get a better idea for stuff on that, but yeah, it was just it was just odd. But um, based on that, though, I have to say, we are going to get this back on the rotation because I've got a plan for a scheme called Metal Gear Wormage. Okay, what does that mean? So, we have our four players, and you have your four worms, but you have no weapons other than prod. Okay. And and then every turn, three crates drop on the field. So oh, they all have like, different like, stuff in them. Yeah, so like Metal Gear Solid. Oh, yeah, so so yeah, so it's like Metal Gear Solid at that point. Uh, oh, you, you've come in with nothing. You have to scavenge your gear off the field. But then just turn it on that any weapon can come out of the crate. So it's just a, it could be a long game, or it could be carnage immediately, depending on what comes out of the crate. So uh, yeah, it's something to to think of. But I've got a question for you on this as well, then, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Think of it as a spot call question, as you will. What is your favorite weapon out of the Worms games? My favorite weapon uh, is probably going to be the Holy Hand Grenade. Uh, it's it's a powerful weapon, but it's also just hilarious. I love it. Uh, it's just you know, you throw it, it goes ding ding ding, and you go, Hallelujah. and then, bam! It's like just a massive circle of death. Yeah. Nothing inside survives. Yeah, and especially with like like with how we were recording, just the the timing between the holy hand grenade going off 
and the explosion happening, you can get some like like one-liners out, some last bits of "Why did you do this to me?" out of your opponent. Yeah, and it's like you know, like there, are, there are there are crazier weapons. Like you know, they got the classic concrete donkey, and you've got the uh, banana bombs. But I find yeah. those to be a little bit more wild and unpredictable. Uh, you know, a holy hand grenade, well placed, is just like can't go wrong with that. Yeah. See, for me... You know, except for when you kill yourself accidentally. Spoiler alert. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I experienced that quite a lot, so don't worry about it. But, um... I would try and go... I would say my favorite weapon would actually be the old granny. Old granny's good. Just just this, you know... I mean, in a, in a, in a, in a weird game, it's odd in the fact that, you know, these worms are supposed to be tiny, and the destruction that they're causing seems massive to them, but they're generally in, like, a little box... And especially with uh, Revolution, and you actually see all the real-sized stuff in the background and the foreground. Um, so to then have this tiny old deer, this tiny old woman, it it baffles on a meta perspective. But then, yeah, and she farts. I never really thought about that. And then and then she fights. It's just, I love that. It's just like it's like this weird like con- like like almost like philosophical discussion of like how is this granny so tiny how big are these worms what is reality also she farts <laughs> yep it's just it's just great it's just it works it, you know it works on the entire meta and weaponized perspective but uh yeah i you know definitely if you ever get time you don't need to play all you don't need to go and buy the new hotness every now and again just go back Go back and play Worms. Yeah, I have to say Worms. that was the first time. That is the first time in my life I've played with more than, like, more than two player, and and that was a. I have to say it was significantly more fun. Like I, yeah. I tried playing it just one v one with Stefan a long time ago before we ever started in Material Gamers, and like it was okay. Like we played two games. And I was like, nah, that was fun. But I was like, nah, I don't really want to do that anymore. It just didn't have mm. quite the same magic as uh, as as it did when I was a young young lad and i don't and i couldn't tell if that was because of who we were playing or because we weren't next to each other see our reactions or things like that i wasn't sure what the cause for that lack of magic was but playing four player uh, that was a lot more fun i had a lot more fun doing that and i would definitely do it again yeah well next time next time we we get a play session going where we do worms we'll definitely make sure you got the call for that one uh and i don't and i also um I was reminded of another thing I did this uh, mm. past week. Uh, I don't mean to take up too much time on my uh, my what's been played section, but I was reminded by Stefan that him and I did test out two, the two new operators in Rainbow Six uh, Siege that just came out not too long ago. Ah, uh, yes. They are, if I recall correctly, Mozzie and... Uh, oh, who was the other one? Uh, Mazi and something else. It sounded like a transformer. I remember that. Uh... Ooh, we, oh, have to, we have to see this. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Mazi and Gridlock. That's go. it. Gridlock. Ah. Okay. Okay, so basically, we got Gridlock, who is the offensive character, who's a, uh, shall we say, stout woman. Uh, and okay big on like heavy weaponry lmgs things like that uh and she her special ability is she throws out uh an item that deploys into sort of a grid of like spiked 
hexagon things. Mm. Like, it's a fairly large grid, like, probably at least, eight, like, a, probably a seven or eight foot diameter, roughly, on the floor. Uh, okay. And presumably it hurts and slows people who step on it. I haven't actually seen people affected by it yet, because uh, people have been generally avoiding it. Uh, and Mozzie, the defending character, uh, deploys these, like, spider bot little drone things that are stationary traps which uh, can hack and take control of enemy drones. Huh. Uh, she can deploy up to three per match, and thus she can steal up to three drones per match, including Twitch drones, to answer that question. Oh, God. So you can turn enemy drones against themselves, and if they happen to have a Twitch drone, you can then start shooting them with needles and uh, destroying their <laughs> traps and such you know, whatever that, whatever else they've got. So it's pretty oh. fun. Oh, perfect. I I have not particularly enjoyed playing Gridlock. I find her ability not very useful. Uh, mm. It's just one of those things where, like, you know, you put it down and it's just like, oh, well, now what? I can, I'll just walk around that, I guess. I can see it from a mile away. It's not like, you're not fooling me, you know. Mm. Plus, it's like, it's an ability that requires someone to move in order to be harmed by it. And when you're on the offense team, you're advancing into a group of people who, generally speaking, are not moving as much as you are. Yeah. Which diminishes its usefulness. Like, I could see fringe cases where, like, maybe you're like, you're playing a bomb defusal and, like, you're split across two rooms and, like, you could cut off access uh, between those rooms by deploying the trap. Uh, that could be disruptive, for sure. Uh, but generally speaking, I I don't see it to me. I don't see it catching on. Mozzie, mm. on the other hand, is a ton of fun. I love Mozzie. She's like one of my new favorite. Uh, not he, actually. I keep I keep mixing them up. I just for some reason I just assume that they're both girls. They're not. Uh, Mozzie does kind of look like a chick with the helmet on, though. Uh, to be fair, but Mozzie's a guy. Yeah. Uh, and he I I love taking enemy drones. There's, you know, on the total opposite end of the spectrum, where, like, an immobile trap on the offense team is kind of worthless, the direct inverse of that is a camera that can move on the defending team. And that is so huge. It's like, I don't know, it's like, Echo is really, gr is great and all, but, like, you know, it, the fact that I can take, you know, reconnaissance and information away from them by stealing their drone, and then also add information to my team with the same action is a big deal like it's a twofold advantage mm. you know and i can have up to three at once you know i could just switch back and forth covering them from different angles you know and when you're on the offense team and your drone is coming up near a mozzie trap you get a little uh, indicator saying that you're close uh and, and so like, it kind of warns you that you're getting close so you can kind of avoid it but mm. what Steph and I found out that's really interesting is uh, you can lay down, like, a mute jammer, for example, which catches drones. And, you know, some people will avoid the mute jammer. Some people will try to jump around it and get caught by it. Or some people just run into it because it's like, well, whatever, I don't care. You know? yeah. But if the mute yeah. jammer jams the drone and they lose track, they lose the ability to, take, to control it, uh, Mozzie can then put down a trap 
like right next to the jammer and steal a disrupted drone and gain possession of it and start using it because drones on your side are not affected by the jammer. Uh -huh. So you can combos. Yeah, it's sort of like a, you know, like a flytrap thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool combo and uh, I really like Mozzie. Her weapons are not very strong, but uh, she's really good at gathering information from enemies. Huh. Well, you yeah, know that works. I mean, I mean, how many how many operators do they have in Rainbow Six Siege now? I want to say, I, I want to say they have like somewhere between fifty and sixty, something like that. Yeah, because they've they've been doing that, haven't they? With the sort of every new operation, they do like three, four operations a year, end up coming out with a pair of operators each time. Yeah, for a little while they were doing like two on one side, two on the other side, and mm. uh, I wasn't really crazy about that. I definitely prefer the one and one approach. Yeah, you know, one one offense and one defense. And you know that that'll yeah that that sort of works, and you know sort of provides people you know with a lot more sort of gameplay option rather than being forced to that point to like attacker or like defender and considering that matches require you to have a sort of combination of both yeah you gotta be well, able to play the skill level sides. anyway yeah so yeah no it's like having so many characters so that like there's always gonna be at least one attacker that you like and at least one defender that you like or that you're good at is that's it's it's good and you know having so many characters who work well with characters or who counter others or you know you know are tech you know against other characters it does create a very interesting metagame where it's just like okay i should we should have at least one of these types of characters and at least one of these types of characters so that we can counter them having this or doing this mm -hmm. it's uh, uh, yeah it's 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 a great game i haven't played it for a while because of just timing reasons i've just been so busy with school and and work and stuff, but uh, I've uh, I really enjoyed getting back into it. I'd like to play more of it. Coolios. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, uh, what I was doing there while you were talking about siege there, and there may be some disruptive sounds of me clinking a glass and dropping stuff. That's because I was getting my Nintendo DS ready, just to confirm uh, the games that I've been playing this week. Now I've been you know, PC gaming a lot, but it's generally, it was just more Resonance of Fate to prep for more role-playing Nightmare games. But while I've been doing that, I've been playing Pokemon Blue. Pokemon Blue. Yeah, went back right with the classics. But, uh, but I've been playing it with the with the challenge. So there's this, there's this streaming, yeah, the streaming community on Twitch. When they play Pokemon, they want to play it, you know, a little bit. A little bit weird. They want to do a little bit of a challenge. Uh, so what? What? Uh, what they do is uh, what's known as the Nuzlocke run. Oh yes, good old Nuzlocke. Oh yeah. Give us a rundown of the Nuzlocke rules, sir. So, generally, there's um, like little bit of house rules here and there. There's some variation, but, but give us the basics. The basics. The challenge to complete an entire run of Pokemon using a limited amount of Pokemon on the idea that when said Pokemon faints, you are unable to use it again. It dies, quote-unquote. You must release the Pokemon and not use it anymore. Release it or box it. Yeah. It, it's unusable. Other. It is dead. Yeah. And the challenge is then further increased by the fact that you can only capture 
the first Pokemon you encounter on each Route Cave C. Everything that area. has a new name counts as a new area. Yeah. So, you know, then you so you are challenged at that point using limited Pokemon of types that you may not be comfortable with coming up in in areas where you could have at any time one of your Pokemon just going bye bye. And yeah, if you get to the end, you beat the Elite Four. Whoop de do, you did it. If you don't, oh well, you run. But uh, yeah. Um, the the other optional rule on that is that every Pokemon you catch generally must be nicknamed to provide a bit of emotional value for yeah, when it eventually gives you, give you some the bucket. attachment to it. You know, so you're yeah. motivated to keep it alive and sad when it is not alive. Yeah. But uh, so based on that, I'm not I'm not in a streaming cell, but I've just decided to do my own home Nuzlocke run and used Pokemon Blue for that option, which is pretty damn difficult because of the way that the TMs work in the game and the HMs. But it's only a small run. I've not gone very far, but I've got my first four Pokemon. I went and chose Squirtle as my starter Pokemon for the challenges, considering you come up against Grass type pretty early on. But then Squirtle's a good start. It's uh, you know the Statistically, what uh, the strongest of the three? If I if I am to be to- if I am to be believed, if the internet is yeah. to be believed, yeah, if it, yeah. No, I think you've, you've got that kind of right because I was speaking to Martin about this as well. It's like, well, technically, something like Squirtle starts off in a weaker area. The potential for power is is better, while Fire is the easy mode at the beginning and then just gets a bit caught up later down the line. By but, uh, fire at the uh, easy mode, you mean it's weak to the first two gyms, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. But then the the attacking and capturing Pokemon bit at the beginning is balanced out easy. It's, it's balanced. It's Pokemon. It's balanced. But um. Uh, balanced, quote unquote. I mean, you know, it's hard to balance nine hundred Pokemon, but yeah, it's as balanced as it can be. Yeah. I mean, I only have to deal with one hundred and fifty in this one, so you know, uh, one hundred and fifty-one. Eh. Yeah. God, uh, though, yeah. Nuzlocke in the original games, that's going to be such a freaking nightmare. The, the, the first games are so hard. They're, yeah. like, probably the hardest game in the series. Yeah, and, you know, go, going, going strong. Why well, don't I? But, um, yeah, so I've got my four Pokemon. I've got, I've got my Squirtle, who's called Drippy. Uh, <laughs> Ew. That sounds kind of gross, uh, actually. Yeah. First thing I encountered was a Pidgey on Route 1, so he's Kaka. Well, that's good for flying, you know. Yeah. That then works pretty easily enough. Then I've uh, I've got a Rattata because you know Route Two decided yeah here I have a Rattata. He's called Chomp. Chomp, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I'm in the Viridian Forest at the moment, which uh, granted me a Caterpie, Caterpie, called Stringy. Well, you know, I mean, it's not the greatest run at the moment. I must admit. I mean, admit, yeah, but... it, it could be. Yeah, it, a Pikachu would have been cool, but you know, it's a Butterfree. You can evolve it pretty quickly. You know, it's a. Yeah. It's an it's an easy tier three, as it were. Yeah. So you know, we'll see how it goes. I may carry on have periodic updates on how it's running, but uh, yeah. So I was playing that. This was basically inspired by a Twitch streamer on at the moment. Uh, goes by the by the name Benjineering. And he's he's running a he's running a Nuzlocke run, and has took it to an even more logical extreme, uh, as he's running Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. I think it's Heart Gold he's playing as 
a D and D campaign. D and D. Yeah, it's the class lock campaign. Um, so one of the one of the chat members there had um, set out some rules, but it's like it takes it even deeper. So the rules of Nuzlocke still exist, but in addition, each Pokemon that he, he catches then has to be assigned a class, which have their own sort of restrictions. Um, he's he's playing it a little bit different because he's playing it with a randomizer, so Dude, he's challenging like himself even further. That's, that's pretty scary. So, yeah. like, when you say so, classes, what does that mean? Explain. So, the, he basically attaches a D&D &D class to each Pokemon. So, for example, his first, his start Pokemon, the name eludes me initially, but he's made it a Barbarian, which restriction is at that point that the Barbarian cannot switch out once it starts attacking. So, if you attack another Pokemon, you are in with that Pokemon until, uh, until the opponent faints or they retreat. And then you can you can switch out, and they can't use items and and stuff like that. Some have other different classes, like a rogue can go in and switch out. Um, and you know, there's a lot on there. There's when his streams going, which he does the does the Pokemon streams on Sundays. There's a, a whole list of restrictions and classes. I might even might even put it in as a link just to just so people can see it. But yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, and because it's D and D, it follows the same. He follows the same rules of death saves on there as well. So when his Pokemon faint, he then has to roll d20s to determine whether the Pokemon lives or dies. And it follows the same, the same rules as D and D fifth edition. So you roll the twenty-sided dice, ten or above, or ten to nineteen, that's a a success, and twenty is a critical success. And you just the Pokemon lives. On the other side of that, if you roll a two to a nine, that's a failure. And roll a one, Pokemon dies immediately. So, uh, yeah. And then with <laughs> roll the roll a one, with Pokemon dies immediately and explodes violently, dealing damage to the other Pokemon. Yeah, Voltorb self-destruct. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. The randomizer that he's got doesn't just randomize the Pokemon he encounters. It randomizes starters. It randomizes the moves that each Pokemon have, but they still stay in the the Pokemon themselves still stay their type. Um so it can lead to odd combinations. Like be oh, really, here's, an electric, uh, here's an electric Pokemon with dark moves. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen uh I've seen some people who use a similar randomization uh setup. It'd be really yeah. interesting to do like an an everything is normal in Pokemon except all types are randomized. Oh god! Because then it's like like everything is it feels like normal Pokemon except like you don't know like what Pokemon or what type or what moves are against what. So you'd have to keep like a spreadsheet of like okay this move worked against this, mm. so it could be one of these, or, or or even just like you know even less specific than that. It's like okay this move works against this. Well I'll remember that for the for the future and then you know just keep track of like strengths weaknesses neutrals mm. things like that you know invent your own but, type list oh but yeah it is it's is just fun it's fun to watch I'd, I'd suggest watching it i mean it looks like it'd be an absolute nightmare to replicate i mean i'm just trying this on blue so you know <laughs> just the just the, the weird idea but yeah no that's that's one of the things and then the the other thing very very briefly on that i played i've been playing more uh, 
Ace Attorney. I've been oh playing, yeah, my uh, sister, my sister is playing Ace Attorney just just earlier yeah. today. So you know, after a long hiatus on it, I'm finally getting towards the end of the last case of the latest one that they had, which is uh, or well, latest over in in the West, which is uh, Ace Attorney Spirits of Justice. Objection. Which, uh, objection. Hold it. Take that. Anyway, um... Can we have yeah. an Ace Attorney game that's just called Ace Attorney Objection? All caps. Oh, please. I'd, I'd actually just have that as a party game. And people just are like, you know, you have to do something, and then when, when you contradict, you know, that you, you must, as part of the game rules, you must throw your finger out in the air, shout objection, maybe slam a desk or two, you know. Won't do, won't do that on the It's like Uno, except people instead this. of... It's like Uno, except instead of Uno, it's just like, OBJECTION! Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I've been enjoying that. I should really get to the end of it, because I really love the games. I mean, let's see. What have, what have I got there? I've got the Ace Attorney Trilogy. Uh, Apollo Justice was on a DS that I don't have anymore. But I could just pick that up from the store. Um, I've even got Ace Attorney Inve- Investigations on my phone. The... Detective game starring Miles Edgeworth, and then yeah, while we're here, Ace Attorney Investigations Two, please. Thank you. That, ma- I should that specify makes sense. That's, uh, that makes Ace sense. Attorney Investigations Two over in the West. They've got it in Japan, and I interrupted uh, you there. Sorry. I was uh, I was just saying, like that makes sense to people who play Ace Attorney. It's like, can I have this game? It's like, yes, let's have that game. My sister would probably know more than me. She's a Big fan of the Ace Attorney series. Oh, they're they're good. I mean, as as a visual novel, they they they're hammy. The characters have got weird names. The settings are odd, considering that in in Japan it's set in Japan, but in the West it's set in America. Yet everyone in America adopts the Eastern style. So they watch samurai shows and they they eat ramen and stuff like that. It's, it's Okay, it's it's odd, but then again, it's also then this American justice system that uses the Japanese system, which is everyone's guilty until proven innocent. Defense attorneys are not really liked. Prosecutors get all the glory. There was an old Escapist magazine article that said how terrifyingly close to the truth the Ace Attorney games actually get. But uh, yeah, playing through. We'll get to the end of it. I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, the game's been out for a couple of years, but still don't want to spoil anything. It's fun. Go play it. And uh, if you don't have a DS, just wait for a few months because they're bringing the entire uh, first trilogy out on the PS4, the Xbox One, and possibly PC. I'm not too sure. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the games that we've been playing. Play some, uh, yeah, go out and play some Ass Attorney. Yeah, some Ass, some ass Attorney. Uh, starring Old Granny. Farting granny. Yep. And then she farts. Uh, anyway, uh, we will now move on to the news. Good news. It's news time. News time. And we're going to get in with this pretty quickly because as uh, as this time we're at forty minutes, so we'll give it we'll give it a bit more time. Anyway, let's start with anthem. When I remember the the link. Here we go. So this is Anthem uh, story from Eurogamer. 
of which a fan with a lot of time on his hands and a lot of experience in mathematics has uh, come to the conclusion that all the loot that you get in the looter shooter doesn't really matter. First so, person uh, looter. Hmm? I was just saying, say first person looter. Yeah. First, first person looter shooter. Well, third person looter shooter. But, um, Whatever, man. Yeah. Shoot. Stuff. Yeah, shoot. Get. Yeah. Shoot stuff, get stuff. Borderlands. There you go. There's a looter shooter. He really, uh... But, um, I mean, it may not have been the first one, I don't know, but it, it certainly popularized the genre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And especially with some sort of stuff that I believe March 18th, which is Monday, or yesterday, if you'll be listening to this and you've uh, listened to it on a Tuesday when it comes out, uh, there's some news going on regarding the Borderlands franchise. We've been told mm-hmm. by Gearbox not to speculate... But everyone is speculating. Except for me, because I didn't know until just now. Yeah. But everyone's speculating there's going to be Borderlands 3. I'll wait until the announcement. Because last time they announced Borderlands 3, it turned out to be Borderlands the the pre-sequel. And then the next time people thought it was Borderlands 3, it turned out to be Borderlands 2 VR. I would totally buy Borderlands 3. I'm a big, big fan of the series. Yeah. They they are awesome. I'd love to do a co-op a co-op for the channel, honestly, if uh, someone else yeah. was up for it, or multiple people, people were up for it. Yeah, we can always we can always look at that. Certainly get that down on the docket. But that's all speculation, of course, which is what we're not supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be talking about Anthem. Yeah, so, yeah, as we are, back on track. So, this player, uh, the, a user on Reddit by the name of Termperhoof. Yes, uh, Termperhoof. Termperhoof. Uh, made a made a post called Pi- uh, power scaling why loot doesn't matter math um, so he's went and played the game for an extended period of time as he says as he quotes three days and three sleepless nights of spreadsheet writing and testing um, bring it down to, to brass tactics items in the game have a power score and when you put them all together on your javelin they in turn put all together Provide a power level. Um, Is it the idea, over or the, under 9,000? Uh, under. Currently always under. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Into perspective, I'm like 4... So we are not... 40, so, something like that. So they are not competitive with Dragon Ball Z characters. Got it. No. No, not at all. Uh, Vegeta would come in and just roll all over the fuckers. And anyway. just be like, <laughs> you're so cute. Big Bang Attack. Yeah. Um, but, uh... Yeah, so the idea is that the higher the power score, the higher your power level, and the idea is you're supposed to get multiplier bonuses based on based on that. What this guy is theorizing is that, well, I say he's theorizing, it's uh, been brought to attention to Bioware and EA, and they're reckoning it's some sort of thing that needs fixing. The idea is that there's diminishing returns on it. The, the higher power score you get, the less of a bonus you're actually getting based on each individual item that you're having. So it basically means the higher you get, technically the weaker the bonuses are. And yeah, it basically comes up to that point that it doesn't really matter how good the loot is. You're just getting weaker as you go along. But by the way... Is it kind of it, it like, like the idea where it's like, you know, the difference between 1 and 2 is 100%, but the difference between 2 and 3 is only 50%, and it's like, yeah. et cetera, like so on and so on. So it's like, you know, 
as you know, as as you get as you get onto higher, larger and larger numbers, the like, you know, the the absolute values just just don't stack up percentage wise in terms mm-hmm. of the amount of work that goes into getting those higher numbers. Yeah, and given that there's going to be always a ceiling, it makes it quite, makes you question whether it's worth getting to that ceiling if you're not going to benefit from it. So. Yeah, it's, but that's being said, it's been picked up by by Bioware, um, and that you know they're gonna forget what I've just put on Discord there. Just to, just for the benefit of those listening at home, I've tried to write uh, the words "damn straight" and what have I wrote there? Uh, damn let's... star right. What did you, what did you write? Damn damn star right. Yeah, instead damn straight. Star right, star bright. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a bit of a mix-up, but yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens with Bioware. They they have you know separately to that did a server-wide update that's now increased the drop rates for the weapons correctly as opposed to what they did a week ago. Whereas they um, because we never really talked about it because we were doing the other experimental episode, but yeah, the Anthem released a patch where drop rates were massively increased. And then they rolled it back saying that that wasn't meant to happen. So it led with a bunch of early adopters getting really big loot. And everyone else then not being able to join in. But they've well, apparently you know, that's, improved that, sounds, that uh, this week. It sounds disturbingly similar to Fallout 76 start. Where an yeah. uh, un- un- unintentional uh, dis- disruption in the balance of uh, loot distribution caused problems for players and the developers yep indeed but uh what they did at least did on this side is that the you know ea at least rectified this and let people know and have tried to sort something out i'm not you know we're not going hey good guy ea because they shouldn't have fucked it up in the first place however i would never say good guy ea no in fact i feel sick at the thought of it but uh I'm, uh i'm a little bit against ea yeah, but at least you know, at least they're realizing when fan pressure comes along, they're sorting it out rather than going Bethesda's way of doubling down. It's like, oh yeah, we made a mistake. However, since you's all followed on that mistake, you're at fault. Like, oh no, 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 that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. But uh, well, yeah, we'll see how that goes for Bioware going forward. So I'm I'm stalling all over the place today. It's a bit odd. But, uh, you need to drink some coffee or something. Yeah, some tea. it's weird. I should. Maybe maybe have some more of that cranberry juice. But we will move on to a couple of Epic Games-related stories now. Epic. So, we'll move on first with this one that Steph posted earlier on uh, in regarding user data, because that's a, that's a nice little subject to talk about, isn't it? The potential abuse of user data. Now, according to Eurogamer, as it stated on the 16th of March, which was Saturday, the 16th of March, um, it came up to the point that apparently there's a bit of a problem with privacy, according to uh, according to Steam, with with Epic Games' data taking. Apparently, the Epic launcher uh, is reading and copying files from Steam user data. Well, that's... Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. 
Um, apparently, Epic have responded in a sense about saying that information from this file, which is called localconfig.vdf, you know, sounds just like a normal Steam file to be honest. However, um, it says that it's only sent to Epic if you choose to import your Steam friends and then hashed IDs of your friends are then sent and no other information from the file, end quote. There's a, you know, I can see where people's concerns are on this though. I mean, this is technically people's private data and now where someone's agreed to it on Steam, it's also been copied over by a separate launcher and stored under the assumption that you will then agree to it. I'm... Yeah, the way that we work over here, we follow the GDPR, the uh, General Data Protection Regulation. Okay. And part of the principles of that is that no company should ha- should be taking your data without your explicit permission. And on the same side of that, when you request what companies have on you, they are obliged, within reason, to give that to you. It's a bit of an odd situation that data is flying all over the place on an opt-out basis. Yeah, I don't really like the. I don't really like. I don't, I don't like the idea of like it's it's ours unless you say it's not ours kind of mentality. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm more special... of a I'm more of a stake your claim kind of guy where it's like you know it's like you you know opt for something or stake a claim for something and then it becomes yours rather than you know it's just like it's uh unless you can prove that it's not mine then it's mine mm. i that's uh it's yeah yeah i mean i've always been Don't part like of the it. agreement of it should be opt uh opt in as opposed to opt out yeah. and sort of the the gdpr which took over what we used to have which was called the uh the data protection act sort of changed that in the rules of like data controllers companies yeah had to make sure that it was a case that you opted in you know so it was like we will not send you anything unless you choose to say that we can i mean people are still breaking the rules now on it that we have an independent uh regulator called the information commissioner's office or ico and uh yeah anytime they breach these regulations uh companies suffer up to a £250,000 fine or more. I don't remember I'm saying that off my head, but yeah. Basically, what we're trying to say here is stop fucking with our data. Now, yeah. it, sh- it should be said that apparently, according to that later on in the... Well, actually, no, I'll say that. I was going to look at the PC Gamer article that said that Valve, um, the Epic doesn't take the data. That's three days old. Um, seems that the Eurogamer article has got the entire story pretty much. But, yeah, companies shouldn't be stealing data from each other without, you know, certainly without the person's permission in the first place. I guess that's uh, that's all we really say about it without uh, without taking the roundabout and going backward in circles, really. Yeah. So, yeah. Valve, Epic, stop it. Perius. Stop it. No. Slap. Because, you know, Bad. Valve, Valve, is, Valve is not much better. Uh, while we're on the topic of Epic... It's more the subtopic of PC exclusivity. So we PC know that the, the hmm? PC Master Race. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we know that Epic have been flexing their muscles recently with their new launcher. You know, providing better cuts 
for developers, um, the free games business that they're doing. You don't have to subscribe to do that. I mean, there is the there is the downside of you. Know, that's another launcher with another password that you've got to remember. But they've been doing all right. But what they've also been doing is getting developers to jump ship. Like Ubisoft now, effectively exclusively deals with the Epic Store, as proven with The Division Two. Um, all right. A couple of other um, developers have got these limited exclusive deals, like Supergiant Games with Hades. But now there's a new one by uh, the developers of Phoenix Point, the spiritual successor to XCOM. Uh, oh, yeah. It was a cr- crowdfunded tactical strategy game um, that, as part of their backings, were providing Steam and GOG keys for for the game when it was released. Side problem with that, though, is that they've got an exclusivity deal with Epic Games. So for the first year, the game is playable on Epic, and then after that year, it'll be available on Steam and GOG. Which, you know, is, is, is not great, considering now that the game's going to be released and those backers don't get those keys until a year later. So basically it's like they, people who uh, so people who don't play on the Epic uh, launcher don't get to don't get to play it until it comes out for yeah uh, for like the first year yeah which is which is not which is not great um, I mean apparently though you know they did say that um, you know that you can get the Epic Games store version and then it's DRM free so you can just put it into your uh, you can put it into your Steam library afterwards, and that the backers will get a whole year of DLC as part of this, um, as part of this Epic Store game key. But it's a bit bad to sort of do that after you've already received the money. So let me, okay, let me see if I get I I get this right. The people mm-hmm. who backed the game uh, through the crowdfunding program. They, they just are you saying that they can't play the game un, until the exclusivity deal goes on, or they can only play it if they like play it through Epic Games? Like, is that is that an option, the, or is it just like one of the, the or what? From what it, it looks like, it's it's the latter. I should have probably confirmed that. Yeah, I'm just confirming that as we, as we go on this PC gamer article. Is it seems to be the latter. So you can get it for Epic Games, but it's uh, you know. You then can't get then a Steam if you wanted the Steam into, version. But it's locked in. It's tied up with the Epic Games store. Yeah. There's no. There's no cross compatibility or anything like that. No, not not at that time. And then after a year, then it would be available. But uh, yeah, be careful with exclusivity. I can see you know, it's it's already a ball like in the console market for no reason really, but. The, just the fact that it's now jumping onto the PC market, and you know, I'm all for competition. I think Steam has had too much cake. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm not you know, I'm not against that. That's uh, you know having some but, having competition is healthy. It's good for the 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 economy and good for the industry. Whatever yeah. industry you're in, competition yeah. is good. And, uh, I mean, I'd probably I'd be, I'd be probably safe to say that I'm not I'm not too fussed with the fact of exclusivity between launchers. It's just my contention with this one. This was a kick-started deal. 
and yeah, it is kind of like the you know the retrofitted exclusivity and all. It's not like you know they said up front like, hey, this is happening, so just uh, FYI before you buy your money, this is what's gonna happen. It's sort of like it's more like after the fact. It's like oh, oh, BTW, uh, pick one, Steam or Epic. Yeah. Uh, also pick Epic because it's better. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I know we don't have like anywhere near the level of games or are connected to that Steam library that you've built up a lot, but we're better because we get to play earlier. Yeah. So if you want to play a year early, jump ship. Uh, if you mm. want to continue playing the games that you've, you know, the way that you've always been playing it, then uh, see you in a year. Yeah. And and it yeah, that's a little it's a little sucky. It's yeah, it's a little disheartening to see on what side of the fence you want to be on this. It's just like like, but yeah, you want if you want you know, sorry I'm losing that. Just uh, hearing some sort of some pushing a really squeaky thing outside. So I'll try again. Yeah, if you you know, like I say, I want competition. I don't want to be locked into something. I certainly don't want to be locked into something after I've already committed. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like I'm altering the deal, but I don't alter it further, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just see. We'll see how that goes. Hopefully, you know, it'll all work out. But it's a very interesting landscape we're in right now. The uh, the gaming world is is moving some interesting directions. Uh, mm. I, I feel like there was a lot more a lot more uh, interchangeability and collaboration, and 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 like you know, everyone you know. There was competition, but you know, sometimes people, you know, a lot of times people did have to work together on certain things to, uh, or at least share a space to do their business. But I feel like late in the last few years, there's been a general trend of, you know, back towards exclusivity and back towards independence. You know, developers and publishers and distributors are kind of trying to become their own thing and not have to rely on other people's. IPs and uh, mm. and and uh, software to you know make get their games out there. They, well, they want to do their own thing and stand on their own two legs instead. And I wonder how how that will change the industry. It, if it'd that's be. where things keep going, it'll be a very different uh, industry in a few years. I think. Mm. Yeah, so it's already a bit of a terrifying situation as it is, but. You know, like I just wish to, we could just go back just, to the old stuff. Just looking at uh, you know how E3 has gone, you know, it's like how now, now all of like the big publishers have their own like mini E3 essentially for their own company and their own games. You know, like they no longer even want to be in the same building as the other person. You know, mm. they would just want to you know have their own little space. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I, I wonder. I'm very interested to see where that's gonna go. Definitely, definitely. Right. We will wrap this up with one last story then. Very quick one. And we were talking about EA earlier. I'm back with EA. We come. Uh, so Steph just posted this one in. I did read this earlier on today, but since uh, since we both looked at it, let's uh, let's discuss it. EA, you know, famous for their Sims franchises. Even though they killed Maxis, the horror, you bastards, have uh, been, you know, doing what they usually do with the Sims games, providing expansion pack upon expansion pack, and generally, you know, some work, some don't. But their uh, 
changing how Sims is going to work to the point that they're now ending support on what they call non-metal Mac operating systems and PC 32-bit operating systems. Basically, if you're not using Windows 8 and up updates for the norm updates for the Sims 4 as you've got it will result in you not being able to play the game. However, they are releasing a Legacy Edition called Sims 4 Legacy Edition. Currently, it'll be provided to those who own the the Sims 4 um, and will allow them to continue playing under that system with the caveat of there will be no further bug fixes. There'll be no further support to the game. And anything released after February 2019 will also not be made available to them. So, they've been given the idea of upgrade your PC and continue playing and getting all the stuff you want or play this slimmed down version that will now work on your PCs. I guess if it was if it was just a throw just a quick opinion on that. Okay, it's interesting that they've you know provided this option to players and not just shut them out. Yeah, you know, they <coughs> they have a you know they're, they're releasing a version that will work on an older system but, you know, as uh, as Technology advances and, uh, you know, games become more complicated. It's like you can't keep supporting the old systems forever. Eventually, you got to be like, all right, you know, we got to just embrace what we have now. You know, we, we're not we're never going to progress if we you know, stick to old technology and try to make everything compatible on every platform that exists. Mm. But yeah, it's, just, it's just something a little bit different because there's been a lot of games that I've played where then technology has gone to a point where it's then made it you know, unviable to play them anymore. So, you know, at least EA have, have, have tried something. Again, we're not going to say good guys EA, but it's, it's better news to, to, to wrap things up on. You at least have a Sims to play. You know, maybe I should do a Sims game at some point. Why not? But that's just a, that's just a, that's just a trailing thought, something that can be done after the end of this podcast. So, uh, first of all, thank you, Duncan, for being here. Yeah, no problem. providing I'll... insights. It's, uh, you know, I, f- I feel really tired. I don't know. It's something about the podcast being later in the day today for me is like, yeah. well, I'm a little, I'm a little beat. Yeah, it's a bit more of the, a bit more of the, uh, slower podcast. I mean, by the time you all see it, although it's been edited out, all the weird errs and ums that we've been doing will be condensed into a bit more of a viable podcast. However, if you enjoyed this more chill podcast, then please do the like, you share, you subscribe, you things, which if you're now watching the YouTube videos, will have end cards, so there'll now actually be a subscribe button from there. It'll be popping up around about 20 seconds before the end of when I actually shut my mouth. Yeah. Uh, so we, so, that, we, so that'll be there. Yeah, so do the like, you share, you subscribe, you thing with a bell. We can look a little bit more professional now. We have uh, end cards. Yeah. We've got end screens. We've got lower thirds on videos. Ooh. We'll soon we'll soon have ways of being able to edit the audio. Oh my god! A little bit better because sometimes Discord works and sometimes it doesn't. Ooh, that's correct. It does. So uh, so yeah, until that until that point, uh, we will see you next week. Um, remember, watch all the other stuff that's on the site as well. And until next time, please don't kill each other. I yep. know I know it can be hard. Uh, unless unless you do it with uh, a farting granny, then uh, 
Yeah. Feel yeah, free to just then... destroy everyone. Yeah, she'll destroy you all, and then she farts. So, uh, yeah, have a good one, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.